0: Listen, players. <laughs> You're listening to the Movement, Strength, and Play podcast by the School of Calisthenics. Here are your
1: hosts, Tim and Jacko.
2: This week we have another fantastic guest for you who is as well looking at investing in their physical pension like we love to do at the School of Calistetics and we really want to help our guest Lydia Greenway with that. She is a former Women's England International Cricketing Superstar who has retired from cricket a couple of years ago and looking to uh, carry on exploring using her amazing body the way it was designed to do.
0: Yeah, Liddy had an incredible career, lasting many, many years, many victories in World Cups and Ashes tournaments. So she's been there and done it. But we talk a little bit about the, the hangover, let's say, not the, the alcohol-induced one from those epic <laughs> victories, but the physical one, that the, what cricket or playing at that level has done for her body and where she's now trying to invest time and focus in getting back to getting a fully functioning human body ready for the rest of her life after leaving sport um, a few years ago
2: yeah we want to say a massive thank you to the uh podcast sponsors newton wood who are sponsoring this physical pension uh, series on the podcast uh, lydia is going to be using the uh, the recovery epsom salts as well um as as much as we've talked about how beneficial we've found them. It's something that I've personally been using Epsom salts in general for like at least 20 uh, years and something that is in a regular part of my recovery protocol. And the thing we love about the Newton-Wood uh, crystals or, or Epsom salts, and it's not just because they sponsor the podcast. Because, but it's to do with the level of purity in them. That there is a hundred percent purity. There's nothing else, and you can literally see it when you look at these crystals in your hand. So it's it's worth checking out. You can get a sachet to just try it out once. You have one of these baths, or you Tim likes to use in the shower. You try it once. And you're going to notice, just before bed, you're going to notice the the, the better night's sleep you have, the replenishing of the magnesium stores. Um, and yeah, it's a, it's a no-brainer for £2.50 for, for you to test, trial it out, and then you, I'm sure you'll probably be hooked like we are.
0: Absolutely. Get a little bit of those in your recovery program. And before we get into the main body of the podcast, we're just going to tell you a little bit more about what we've got coming up as we are emerging from this post Apocalyptic COVID era, we have got the opportunity to get back in front of people and do some stuff face to face. So we have a full workshop series coming up. You can find out details on the website at schoolofcalisthenics.com. Come along, get some face to face contact and some um, coaching with our excellent expert coaching team. We're all super excited to get back into doing those workshops. So check those out. Open for all different levels. Find out the details on the website and come and see us. If you're a coach, then you can come and see us for our coaching seminar, which I believe off the top of my head, Jacko is the 18th of. July in you Harpenden are correct, March Timbo.
2: Yes, <laughs>
0: yeah, Alan Martin's gym there, which is a great venue. And again, I, that's one of my highlights of the year when we get to do the coaching seminars. It gets yeah, it really gets me excited. So we're looking forward to that one. And if you're not ready for face to face or you're not in the UK, we've got a coaching app, which is just let's just revel in that. We've got an app where you can work not with a bot, not with artificial intelligence, with a real person who can really help you with your coaching with your calisthenics progression.
2: I was going to say real intelligence. Um but you know, you might you might get designated me as your coach and it might not be less intelligent. But um you know, the coaching app, we're so excited you get to work with um the our expert calisthenics coaches and it might be that um you know, you want to work one-on-one with the coach. You get a personalised program for, for the last three uh, months. And uh, if you haven't come across this yet, we were shouting about it last week. Where have you been? Uh, spaces are limited. As we record this now, um, I can't say off. We can't. We can't officially say whether there are any spaces left. But um, if you head over to the um, to the website, you know, the links will be in the show notes. You'll be able to see whether there is any availability. Yeah, it's not. There's. You know, there's not unlimited availability because you are working with one of the coaches and there's only a certain amount of capacity we have but every time uh, we have more spaces available we will notify you probably best thing to do is sign up to the email newsletter where we'll obviously put details out about that or you can go and check back on the website um, in the next coming weeks um, and uh, get yourself involved with some personalised coaching
0: Excellent, we covered it all off Don't miss out on that one guys I'm super excited to get that launched and uh, and to get some real contact between people who are looking for help and our expert coaching team so definitely look into that so let's not delay any more jacko let's get into this week's podcast with lydia greenway it is time to
2: roll that
0: jingle
1: (laughs) Lydia Greenway, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Hi guys. Thank you very much for having me. Looking forward to it. Yeah.
2: No. Really. We're excited to be uh, talking further about uh, investing in our physical pension, but in from a different sport, one that I I played one game of cricket as a young lad <laughs> and others. I don't know, I, just, I, I, I didn't get on with cricket. It was a bit too slow a thing for me. I didn't have the patience. Um, <laughs> but uh, just for for those people um, that are listening that, you know, haven't come across you yet, there might be the odd person out there that doesn't know about, you know, ex-England international and, and cricket superstar, Lydia Greenway, just give us a little bit of a um, an introduction to um, yourself and, and just touch briefly on like what that cricket career um, with England was uh, 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 has been like and then I want to sort of unpick a little bit of that journey before talking about how you're trying to look after your body uh, post-cricket career.
1: Yeah, no problem. Um, yeah, so I, I played cricket for England for uh, just over 13 years, so from uh, 2003 to 2016. So it was obviously really fortunate um, to travel the world. Um, and, you know, in that time we had some success as well, which I think always makes things better. We won um, a couple of World Cups um, and five Ashes series as well. Nice. So, um, yeah, just really enjoyed um, most of my my time playing cricket it can be a brutal sport sometimes um and now obviously I've retired um and I do a few different bits and pieces now but um yeah as, as you have mentioned I think one of the, the things that you, you forget about or you don't even think about when you you're contemplating retirement is how your body will feel at the end of it yeah. so it's actually um yeah good to be talking to you guys today.
2: I think cricket's actually one of those things that as I a, say as, as, a, as a lad I didn't Get to involved. I didn't see the future. What I should have been, because you go to some amazing places to play cricket, right? um
1: Oh, yeah. But
2: like you don't really, whereas playing rugby, you go to like Penzance and <laughs> do you, know what I mean? you don't <laughs> go to Sri Lanka and you don't go to Australia um yeah. necessarily. So, yeah, you must have been to yeah. some fantastic, like, some fantastic venues and.
1: Yeah, I mean we were really lucky, and that's sort of one of my sales to youngsters these days. When I, if I go into a school, I just say look, you can travel to the, all these amazing countries because cricket, generally, you can only play when the weather's nice. So um, yeah, we've been all over: so Sri Lanka, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, and mm. actually one of my the nicest moments that, for me personally was when we went to India, and um, we, you know, we've we've been lucky enough to meet the Queen. We met Prince uh-huh. Philip. Who's obviously sadly um, passed yeah. away, and then, but one of my most memorable moments was meeting the Dalai Lama um, in India. We were sort of at the foothills of the Himalayas, which was just near where he lived. Wow. And you know, if I could think back to myself as a, a 13 or 14 year old cricketer, I would never have thought that that sort of opportunity would have presented itself. So, um, yeah, obviously amazing to have had that um, experience. Um, And then, yeah, just, um, yeah, it's also the the people that you meet along the way. It's, um, you create some brilliant friendships. And I think the sport itself, as you sort of alluded to it, it, traditionally it has been quite slow paced, but I think more and more now you you have to be a genuine athlete Mm. um, if you want to excel in it. And I think that's hopefully one of the perceptions that is is slowly changing.
2: Yeah, there was no T20 or anything when I was younger and, Mm. yeah. Definitely.
1: Yeah. Or the cricket whites as well. (laughs) (laughs) Not the most attractive (laughs) things to wear. (laughs)
0: <laughs> um, I'm just interested for, to give us a bit of context and this is going to lead me down a, a line of questioning that, uh, of where I want to get to but um, when did the women's game become professional the, the, the team nowadays I, I often do some travelling in and out of Loughborough to see af- athletes and often see the women's team down there based at the, the cricket centre and um, the women often practising the nets just by the power based gym when were you sort of a fully, fully paid professional um, cricketer, was that for the entirety of your career or did that come in at some point later on
1: Yeah, it just came in towards the back end, really. So, 2014, um, the ECB invested um, an amount of money which allowed, I think there must have been 18 of us to be full-time cricketers. So, we were contracted to the ECB um, and we were the first country to do that. Um, And so, What that did really was it just helped us, Um, gave us the time to train full time, um, but also it gave us the rest that we needed because up until that point, certainly when I first started, we had to find our own way in in some other career and many of us chose coaching because we had that flexibility and then we were sort of semi-professional where we could... We still had to train full time, but we could work and we had a bit of flexibility through a program called Chance to Shine and they work in state schools, So we were coaching ambassadors to them. But the biggest difference being a professional is, that time where actually you can properly look after your body because the the common theme throughout all of that is you're training like a full-time professional regardless of what you're getting paid Mm. Um, and so it wasn't until 2014 that we could train like a full-time professional but we could also recover like a, a professional uh, sports person needed to as well so that was a massive shift for us and then a few other countries um, followed australia followed that quite quickly and we're seeing that professionalism sort of filter out to other countries around the world now which is good
2: how did you how did you find that transition um mentally i know that like i'd gone through it with my rugby career similar for us at where the, the club i was playing for at nottingham where in the early days it was it was sort of semi professional we went through this like transition uh, in, into the professional era and there was there was definitely some different challenges of like when you've you haven't got anything else to think about which is sort of a good thing but at the same time you can sort of stew on when things go wrong and you've made mistakes and things you sort of stew on those during the week waiting until you can play another game again and there's a different level of pressure um i definitely found and i know other other lads did that played with where it's like this is your job now and it just sort of Mm. that that difference between oh this is a game i used to just enjoy playing and getting muddy when i was a kid and then now it's my Mm. job even though it shouldn't make a difference it, it it sort of does in a way how did you find that
1: yeah, I completely agree, and I remember actually when we um, it was about six months after we had been made been given these professional contracts, and it wasn't only the expectations that we put on ourselves to get results; it was also expectations of the media mm. so you would read articles and they'd say well these players are full-time professional athletes now so why aren't they winning <laughs> and it was just because we, we were being paid to to play and to train and everything like that it didn't mean that it would sort of transfer straight yeah, away there yeah. was sort of we needed that time to sort of allow the, the time on task that we were we were now being able to to put into the sport to I guess take fruition. So I guess that was a challenge. And then I think yeah, from a, a mental point of view, I think cricket is quite brutal because you could be the best player one day and then turn up for the game in a couple of days. You know, a couple of, a couple of days later, and you could be the worst player. It's there's no you have to be quite level. And I think. One thing that a lot of players do well, I think, is they have a good balance. So even though they're good, you know, they're full-time cricketers, they still have other interests outside of the game. And I think that's really important because, like you say, otherwise, if you just... It can be a bit intense sometimes if you just... That's all you're focusing on. I think you have to allow yourself to step back as well from, from the sport. Even though you are a full-time cricketer, you don't literally have to be 24-7 yeah. with it.
2: And I guess if you're like, so so in terms of like batting and if like batting, you know, if you're you're a batsman or a batswoman and batting is your thing, if you make a mistake as in get bowled out, like on first ball or very early, like you don't get a chance. There's no sort of second chance in that, which compared to, you know, sports like we've played like rugby, you make a mistake, you have the rest of the game to try and make it up. Um mm.
1: Yeah, and that's the worst part of yeah. it because I, I was a batter, so I, I never had. Um, I, I think I was. My mindset was always. You know, if you go out and get a 100, that's all great and everything like that. But you know full well the next day that might not happen again. And it's just, yeah, so I I actually really enjoy playing hockey now. And I played it when I was growing up because it was just a real fast-paced sport. And as you say, if you make a mistake, you can actually make up for it. But I guess the equivalent in cricket was if i didn't get many runs one day then i would i would just try and be the best fielder that i could and you know try and save 20 runs in the field or whatever yeah. it is because when you don't bowl as well you just don't feel like you're contributing to the team and that can be tough sometimes so I always say to youngsters, you know, always try and impact the game in your fielding because if you're, if you're not bowling well or if you've you haven't got a score with the bat, then that's a way that you can literally be a match winner in the field, and um, that's something that we try and instill into young players because if you don't have that mindset, then very quickly you could feel that you're not contributing to the team.
2: Yeah, and athleticism is going to come massively mm-hmm. into play for. For the fielding reactions ability to move be able to change direction being fast um and in my in my little bit of homework and research did read uh one report that suggested you were one of the the best fielders in the world uh, at your stage so um there's obviously a thing or two people can learn uh, learn from you on that
1: yeah i think um yeah i mean I, I really enjoyed fielding and i think the if you look at the game now the best fielders if you look at their background often they have played multi-sports growing mm. up. Um, so a lot of the, the female cricketers now, I think of um, Susie Bates, who's a great example. She's um, one of the best players in the world and plays for New Zealand, and she actually represented New Zealand in basketball. Um, and then the, another player, Elise Perry, um, is an Aussie, and she played for the Australian women's football team. So I think there's a, something to say with, you know, again, younger players not putting all their eggs in one basket for whatever sport it is, because, well, you guys will know more about it than me, but I think there is a lot of research that says, you know, if you do play those multi-sports when you're younger, it gives you much more chance mm. of succeeding at that elite level. Um, so I think, yeah, I guess maybe not specialising too early is mm. is key as well, yeah. and that allows you to, to have those develop those transferable skills.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree that that physical literacy side of things, I think, is is so, so important at, at a young age and, and building that breadth of, of just uh, yeah, movement abilities. Uh, well, on that that theme, lady, I'm interested um, to to pick up on what you said around where the game went to a professional and then obviously when when that happens it brings about a certain amount of support services and coaching and an additional access to sports science and medicine practitioners who are whose job effectively is to help you to look after your body and then to improve your performance what was it like for you in those early years you played a, a significant portion of your career I'd imagine without a huge amount of support around you with that combined with with working the travel the games and um I also wanted you to touch on what the cricket schedule is like as well because I understand in season it can be it can be pretty demanding on the body what was that like during that sort of those phases at that time where you we sort of probably left your own devices in terms of staying healthy or did you have support that was provided for you
1: yeah so early on we didn't really have much support at all I remember I think I was quite lucky because I was naturally quite motivated so I would just take myself off to the gym or I'd go over to the park and I'd sort of create my own training sessions Um, a lot of that was based around movement patterns um, good footwork um, which helped with my fielding and then um, some cardio stuff so because I didn't really know what I should be doing I just thought right I'll just go for a run for 20 minutes and then I just tried to replicate what we would do for the game of cricket. So running between the wickets is quite a big thing. So I used to just like sprint 10 runs as quickly as I could have a break. And then I'd just repeat that 10 times. And then it wasn't until probably, I guess a quarter of the way into my career, we started to get that more specialized support. So we had a link with the English Institute of Sport, um, and they provided strength and conditioning coaches for us remotely. So wherever we were, we would go to um, to our nearest sort of EIS centre. And at the time, mine was Haywards Heath, I think, down in, in Sussex. And we'd have access to that strength and conditioning programme. So that was sort of once a week. Um, but we'd have to do another, another session um, in addition to that. And then on top of the cricket training and then really... To, you know towards the back end of my career that's where it was sort of full throttle um we would be up at Loughborough um four or five days a week um and that would always be cricket training but then uh, yeah uh, probably half of that was also all the physical stuff as well so we'd have um gym programs would be three times a week so sort of all the lifts and the the Mobility um, programs, and then we would have some um, in, a lot of interval stuff as well. Um, our main test throughout the the plane, um, my plane, create started with the beep test. Um, then it was the yo-yo test, and now I think it's the two K time trial. Um, and then on top of that, we sort of had a, um, the screening days where a lot of it was maximum capacity stuff. So. Um, uh, sort of calf raises to failure um, holding a plank to failure and there were sort of benchmarks that we had to reach um, so yeah I, I guess over the course of my career it, towards the back end it was the support was amazing and you know we'd have physio whenever we needed it and um, and yeah I think it's probably even better now than it than what it was when I was involved a couple of years ago
0: uh, did you sort of have any any injuries throughout your career that, that started to plague you or, or cause you issues that, that that were something which you, which you continually had to manage, or were you sort of fairly resilient and, and managed to, to avoid that side of? I you know, mean, getting that injury cycle it can be a little bit of a, a grind for people just trying to stay healthy and on top of their uh, top of their physicality so they can play the best level they, they they're able to.
1: Yeah definitely for me I, I probably had three areas which i had to manage one early on was my shoulder um i had sort of tendonitis in my shoulder um and that was just something that i managed quite easily mainly just through doing a lot of strength stuff um not just on the bigger muscles but the smaller muscles as well that was i sort of had a set program which i would just keep on top of and then um and then sort of midway through, I both my quads um, tore quite badly. Um, we were on a tour out in the West Indies, and um, they just both went. And
2: I, oh, I, that's I good, going had to, to pull your quad. Like <laughs> yeah. I know a friend of mine, yeah. uh, Tim actually knows him, a friend of ours, Josh K, the fastest man I've ever seen play anything, let alone rugby. And he struggled yeah. pulling his hamstring, but the final thing that did it, finished his career, is he pulled his quad, but literally it... It sort of like completely sort of like it was part way up his up his leg, and I don't think he ever had it reattached. Oh. Um, but I remember the physio being like, "I've actually not. We haven't seen anyone pull their quad before. So you've done both. You're doing well." Yeah, I don't.
1: um. Yeah, I don't think it's the worst muscle that you can do, but that sounds horrible to completely um completely. Yeah, it was chair like it, this, but... it was like
2: a big ball at the top of the like joint, oh. literally like it. Yeah, unwounding. yeah. Oh.
1: That must have been painful, Um, but yeah, I mean, mine was sort of what were they probably uh, grade um, grade two tear probably, but that was, I think that was down to my running style actually. I've got not the most um, the most aesthetically pleasing (laughs) running style, Um, so yeah, that was just a management thing. And I think that was, I suppose, like players work out you work out what works for you. So my sort of recovery strategy was a lot of ice. Um, baths, which just worked wonders. At the end of the day, I'd go in there for about five minutes and the next day I'd feel great. And um, so that was good. And then the back end of my career, um, I'd ruptured both um, my ang- ligaments in my ankles. Um, one was playing hockey, actually, which I wasn't, um, which the coaches weren't overly pleased with. <laughs> you know, <that's> um, <laughs> Um, and then the other one was I just um, fell over some metal rod that was sticking out of the ground, which wasn't ideal. Um, so, yeah, Whilst again, playing, to be honest, or... yeah, yeah, playing, which looking back, actually, the health and safety safety isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was an international game. We were playing India, and, it, yeah, looking back, I'm not sure quite how that happened. But, um, yeah, so the ligament one is probably the worst one because, um that what i found that hard is to manage and it still affects me a bit now
2: but well I was going to ask yeah. which which of those like does the shoulder does the the quads does the the ankle like do those things still are they are they carried through into um in in into, into post career like you know me and tim have talked a lot about our old rugby injuries and stuff that you have to manage um is, is there is yeah what just give us a bit what where's the body at now with some of those things and 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 how are you managing that and I guess as we're investing in our physical pension like what that what that sort of looks like in terms of priorities
1: yeah I think um so with my quads I think that's something that luckily I don't run fast enough these days to affect it um too much um so I don't really have they're actually okay but with my my shoulder um because I coach a lot now um I have to keep on top of that because so for example the last couple of months I haven't done any any shoulder stuff and I know soon I'm going to have to be throwing balls so I'll do probably quite an intense program just to get my shoulder strength back up again um and then with my ankles um that's another area which still affects me so if I was to go for a run now I could I wouldn't be able to run longer than half an hour and I probably wouldn't be able to back it up the next day either Um, so I suppose really that's an area that I think I need to look addressing in just of in terms of getting it a bit more stable um because it's important isn't it like i'm not i don't want to perform at the highest level of sport but i do want to make sure that i can still be active so yeah we want to yeah we want to be
2: able to do the things that we enjoy doing and get the benefits of exercise and still be able to enjoy yeah using our bodies and uh, you know we're excited to get you started um on the on the new uh, coaching app where you'll get to work one-on-one with with us as coaches and um we can definitely um there'll be some stuff that we can do like you can't undo like the fact that you've like torn ankle ligaments and, and and whatnot but there is some strengthening work i'm sure that we'll be able to do to help you know improve areas around the around the knee to stabilize that so that the ankle gets a little bit less of a hammering strengthening around the, the hips and the glutes um and then in terms of the in terms of the shoulder like there's the calisthenic stuff is gonna is, is, is potentially give you some very good uh you'll be throwing in your in your demonstrations potentially uh-huh. better than we'll, I don't know, we'll see what because i think tim that'd be a that's an area of expertise of yours where you know talk a little bit about well if, you, if you're happy to sort of just open up that pandora's box of like the the shoulder the likelihood of shoulder injury is some of the, some of those overhead throwing sports and then what you think that we can do calisthenics wise or well just shoulder rehab wise I don't know if it's specifically calisthenics but to try and and help with that
0: yeah definitely i think like cricket's a really interesting one and some of the stats and in the, in the research around um cricketers and the injuries around the shoulder there's there's one study which comes to mind which i've used in presentations before i think it's I don't know, around 30% of athletes in a cricket team will have shoulder pain at some point during the season. And, and that's obviously a big issue for cricket teams because if that's one in three and if that's one of your best players, then that's an issue because it's something that may not go away within a week. Um, I think for people sort of visualizing this, and, and I'm sure Lydia will be able to sort of uh, resonate a bit with how the shoulder feels and having seen a lot of people or thrown a lot of balls over the, over the time. Um, if you imagine like a, a, a golf ball sat on a golf tee, so you've got the head of the humerus, the bone in your upper arm sat on this tee, which is smaller than the ball at the head of the shoulder itself. So, or head of the humerus itself. So when you're particularly a particular sport where you, there's a lot of throwing and power-based movements and the bowlers get a lot of, of sort of stress through that system as well the shoulder can have a hard time maintaining balance so we can effectively keep the ball in the socket is where it comes down to and if, if the big muscles around the shoulder the pecs and lats, those are real force producers and are useful for throwing the ball hard and fast, just get overworked the stabilizers don't work so well and those are the ones that are really responsible for keeping the ball on that socket and that, that's when the, the you can start to get sort of translation or unwanted translation or migration of the, of the head of the shoulder, the head of humerus around that socket which starts to then cause problems and one of the things which calisthenics is going to be able to do is to start to link the whole chain together but just do a great job of starting to get that shoulder to sit better or to sit stronger in the socket Um, as we start to do some of the hand balancing stuff particularly we we talk a lot around the closed kinetic chain so anything where the hand is basically on the floor fixed or on a bar or in somewhere in between on a, a set of rings or suspension trainer the benefits mm. of that type of environment for the shoulder are, are significant. And it's something that I think, as you said, it is probably underused and the shoulder management stuff. You, you've probably been sick to death over the years of doing sort of TheraBand exercises as part of your warm up, and you have five or six mm. exercises to go through, but they never really kind of progress in intensity, not in the level of then you're trying to improve throwing speed or bowling speed, um, and I think that's where there's the opportunity is with calisthenics represents is to just kind of really to, to, to we talk about bomb proof shoulders, but to sort of challenge the shoulder in a different way, but then progressively load it. So make it force it to be more stable, to improve that dynamic stability, but then do that under, under progressively stressful or, or, or higher intensity movements, which starts to scale everything up together rather than having like a little yellow TheraBand for your warm up and then th- bowling it. 80 miles an hour or, or whatever it is so it's um that's yeah. i'm hoping that's something you'll feel and it's a bit more fun than band exercises as well to be honest
1: yeah definitely because one thing i was going to ask actually because one of the, sh- the problems that i have with my shoulders is that i don't know if this is the right term but they wing so they like come out to the mm. the sides, yeah. if that makes sense so i'm guessing all of that stuff would help prevent that as well
0: yeah, definitely, winging is basically the scapula, um, the shoulder blade, sort of coming off the rib cage. So it looks like, um, if you look at it from the back and the scap wings, it sort of, it doesn't sit flush to the rib cage, it pokes up a little bit and sort of spikes out, a bit like a stegosaurus. Um, so, yeah, that's basically where we've got uh, a lack of muscle balance so that the front is essentially the muscles on the front of the body, pulling it off, pulling the, the shoulder forwards and round are stronger than the ones holding the scapula down to the rib cage. So we'll do loads of stuff in that. That's one of the things that will be really useful in the in the in the screening process that we'll do with you when you get onboarded onto the app. To write that individualised program for you is to look at where we need to kind of bias the the exercise selection, so we can do more more work, which is going to help to get that that shoulder to move well, and that's that's kind of like a, a partnership between um, the scapula and the head of the humerus, basically the, the bone your upper arm, to start to get those to move a little bit more sort of synchronized and with higher quality. So yeah, it's, 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 these things are, are relatively straightforward to fix with the right program. And it's just going to take some time to, 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 yeah. to go through that and quite focused, dedicated work. But the good thing that you have got on your side with this is a good awareness of, of how your shoulder feels because of the amount of stuff that you've done on it over the past. So that's always mm-hmm. a good starting point. If you're aware that you're winging, you can kind of then start to work backwards from there and go, right, okay, what does it feel like not to wing? And how? which muscles do I need to think about using to stop that from happening?
2: Well, and with with the with the new coaching app, you're going to be working with one of the scorecards and its coaches, so uh, that's uh, that's also going to make sure that you've got the right program to to help sort that out too.
1: Yeah, I mean that'll be amazing because I, I don't I don't think I said this to you, but one of the challenges as well I think is when if you haven't got that much time, actually going somewhere to do a session and then coming back is can take up quite a lot yeah. of time. So actually, just the fact that you've got someone there. On your phone, like for me is ideal because you can just have that interaction and that sort of personalized um, feedback and support so um yeah I'm, I'm really looking forward to it
2: yeah and with all, and with like the sort of predominantly body weight based stuff that you know you, you're going to be able to do all of this at home um you might need the odd little Amazing. band or or whatever, and and you've got the um uh, the 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 home straps that just go over the the wall so you can get some we can get some rowing and some some addressing some of that imbalance that tim was talking around around the back of the shoulder as well so um yeah yeah. the 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 fact these these types of things and this is where this falls into a wider conversation of just like for, for everybody but like the we've talked about this before about like being able to be consistent and Part of being like a lot of the time, people struggle with the consistency to to do enough good quality work on a regular basis to see the improvements, and it often um, gets and often will be seen as or people think of it as like oh, I'm I'm just struggling with motivation to get it done, but and that may well mm. be the case. But there also might be the case that actually there's just too many barriers in the way, and it just it's you're making it too hard for yourself to to be able to do the things that you're trying to do. Uh, because it involves you going mm. to the gym, and it involves you doing this, that, the other, and maybe trying to do too much stuff. Whereas if we can consolidate things and make them easier for you to implement, then that allows you to be consistent, and then all of a sudden you see good progress with your training, and then motivation then isn't even a question. Like it's it's just a little. I had a conversation with with uh, one of our um, one of our members recently, where it, 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 there was this this uh, this motivation conversation, and he was making just an assumption that. How how do you stay motivated, Tim and Jacko? Like, and now says, well, it, it, it's not it, it's not just about that. Um, mm. And making it easy is is definitely one way to to be able to be consistent, which will drive your motivation
1: yeah i think as well it's when you start to see the results like i've just started doing a little bit of body weight stuff just in preparation for this So <laughs> yeah. i want to make sure that i can start okay but because like, you're a competitive evening, person
0: I'm, you want to do know... well lydia let's be honest That's, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, want yeah. <laughs> I want to win i want to i want to win at my own training
2: program though there's no competition but I'm, i want to win it
1: <laughs> Yeah I think it's probably right. Um but yeah just I just started doing some press ups again and on like as like my shoulders are terrible but even in the last sort of I've only done it for 3 weeks but just this week which is the third week I've started to feel a little bit stronger nice. and I'm not strong but it's just I think that really helps with motivation as well just knowing that you know yes weeks one and two might be hard or whatever but you will eventually see the benefits and it's just um, yeah, and then like you say, I think that's when you get that more motivation yeah. as well.
2: There is a it's a very unique feeling, and we definitely we we see this a lot with So You get it in in lifting weights and stuff as well. But say say when you're lifting weights, you feel stronger and you can lift a heavier weight. It's just a slightly bigger dumbbell, a little bit more weight on the on a barbell. But when you get that feeling and you 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 feel stronger moving your own body and then you're able to like do something completely different that you weren't able to do before um there's mm. a very different like sense of reward and i don't know i actually had it uh, this week for myself where like something just felt amazing from a strength mm. perspective it, it felt effort- the thing i was trying to do felt effortless whereas it always used mm. to feel quite difficult and hard and, and a struggle and it was like I, was, I think restored a lot of balance and like the shoulders just stuff was working well and it was there was a, there was probably like a little like internal uh, there was a little bit of sort of like pat on my back of like I've obviously done something good but like <laughs> in, there was like some I don't know just internal pride's probably the wrong word but I was like I don't know I I was proud of my body in a way in a in a mm. but just in a nice way not in a like um, ego driven mm. way it was just a, a a nice internal like intrinsic reward which I think is. Um, yeah, it's good for the head as much as it is as good that that's where this this is this is one of the things about investing in the physical pension if we're if we're able to use our bodies do the things we want to be able to do and we can do those things pain free then not only yeah. physically do we feel better mentally it helps us like when you're in pain because of old injuries plaguing you from whatever career you used to do like that can be quite draining and 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 demoralizing and i think and that's something that um, we want to try and help people with whether you are a you know a professional cricketer and won World Cups like yourself, or whether you know whether whether you just injured yourself doing whatever it is. You might not be, even injured yourself training. It might have you just injured yourself doing whatever. But you you want to be able to get mm. back to moving your body pain free because physically and mentally it's going to make a big difference to the, how we live our lives.
1: Mm definitely and even yeah when you're getting that bit older as well I think like, one thing that I think's come out of lockdown is people have begun to be more active mm. and I think they've probably realised actually I want this to continue and you do want that even and also I guess age as well I, I hopefully you know being active shouldn't be dictated by just because you're getting a bit older mm. I think Body, our bodies are amazing, and um obviously what you guys do um will will help um yeah. i guess keep us you all can always for longer you can
2: always find someone that's older than you that can do the thing that you think you're too old to do <laughs> like that's that is, that is yeah. always the case in life like so <laughs> it's only just a lie we say to ourselves to make ourselves probably um just feel a little bit better The yeah. good thing about like you say about i i don't i think i see Far more people, like dramatically more, like tenfold, maybe even more than that, out running or jogging around mm. where, where, where we live. And um, as you say, that, that definitely got sort of, it got put on people's, people's radar. And potentially when yeah. people during lockdown had a bit more time because, well, some people did, some people didn't. But there was, there'd been just the fact that they're at home and for a, to go out for a jog is like just put your trains on and just go straight out the, out the front door. And actually, mm-hmm. people—it was on the radar because it was like right to to try and be fit and healthy is going to help you if you know if fight off COVID if you were to get it, and and uh, and that's definitely been a positive thing. I just see too many people mm. running around with their mouth open, mouth breathing, and it's not good for <laughs> you. It's a different podcast. <laughs> Shut that
0: mouth. When there was a research paper that came out this week that was from the British Journal of Sports Medicine. I think it was. Um, and they have done a study in it forty eight thousand four hundred and forty adult patients. I've just pulled it up now. And in the I well, sort of was gonna say that was good memory books, off the top of your head. <laughs> well yeah, <laughs> I, I should have just blagged that show. Yeah. Oh, in, in the research papers I've been reading this week, I've remembered these facts. Um <laughs> oh, listen, so this is it, right? So this is on I'll have that conversation. I've got a question I want to ask you about something in a second, Lydia, but um uh, other than advanced age and history of organ transplant, physical inactivity was the strongest risk factor for severe COVID-19 outcomes. And if people who were inactive during the two years preceding the pandemic were more likely to be hospitalised, admitted to the intensive care and die than patients who were consistently meeting physical activity guidelines. And that, I think that's just what I'm hoping. I'm sure there are going to be good things that are going to come out of COVID. But... That message needs to get through that the effective inactivity is huge, and we 're living in a, in a time where a lot of the population are not hitting that that activity target, and if that is because they are in pain or it's difficult to, to get back into training because you know when you 've not trained for a while and you go out for a run that 's the worst one right you feel like horrendous <laughs> and you're like oh, i don 't want to do that again, but the magic is is going and doing that again Have you, have you got anything, Lydia around that for you've probably had periods of your career where you've had to stop exercising and people might listen to this and go, yeah, but you're, a, you're an athlete. That's it's, it's different. It's it's not different. Just because you've trained a bit, you kind of know what's waiting for you on the other side maybe a little bit more but you're oh. still hard, right, to get yeah, back into training after when a When you've layoff. been
2: injured. Like-
0: yeah. It's yeah. still tough. It's still
2: brutal. I got injured and put on about 14 mm-hmm. kilos once, Tim. Trying to run after that.
0: Now, that was... It's a good job. We didn't have a pandemic someone then, Jacko, might have been an intensive care Someone swim. said,
2: why, why when you're running, have you got a fridge on your back? And I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> I, what do you... It looks like you're carrying a fridge. I was like, oh, it's just my <laughs> new muscle bulk that is completely unhelpful for me. Yeah
1: it's uh yeah i uh, yeah, I can remember when you 've not been active for a while, those first sessions back are really hard um, and I also think just as you were talking it 's slightly different, I think, to what you 've asked me, so sorry to go off, but go for it, um, it. I think one thing that we also have to remember is, so for example, my sister um she works in the city in London, and she 's now been working from home, and she 's still active, but her her activity levels are probably only still on par on compared to when she used to commute into London because what she used to do, she used to, like, say, get off the bus, um, a stop early, then walk to the office. Um, she'd go up the escalators when she's on the tube. She'd walk down them rather than just standing on them. So over the course of a day, even though she's inactive, um, when she's at the office she's still got her you know her activity levels up and I think that's one thing that I've been quite aware of is having worked so much from home is you're just not doing anything you're not even commuting to work and I think that's something for us to be mindful of as well is yes that that yeah. run out is is brilliant as well but you know is there anything that we can bolt onto to that um Yeah, sorry, I've just gone off on one there. You're dead
0: right though, because I look at my watch now, and I've done one, I've been, it's now two o'clock in the afternoon, and I'm embarrassed to, to, to share this, and sometimes this is happening regularly for me, though, but I've been in the house all day. I've been working in front of my computer. I've done one thousand two hundred nineteen steps today. That, that's it, mm. just around the house. And, and the advan- and, and the people say ten thousand. That's the recommended amount, but I'm not. I'm nowhere near hitting that on a regular basis because, one, just the structure of what life is like. You don't get that sort of uh, that. Just I like say that walking movement. That uh, what do they call it? Uh, non-exercise activity thermogenesis. something like that? But basically, just the, all the stuff that you're doing when you're not training, which contributes towards that gen- that, in- that that amount of physical activity that you're doing a day. And um, yeah, I think that's one thing. That I'm sort of I'm I'm, pl- I'm positive that some of this stuff is coming out about physical inactivity, and it's, it's going to sort of raise people's awareness of it. But I mean, I'm a fit person, but I have to be so intentional about getting that exercise in. And one thing, as we move forward, mm-hmm. we probably know that we're not all going to be rushing back to offices. We're going to be working from home more because we've shown that we can do it. But with that comes a level of just not moving, which is which is which is yeah. negative. So we're going to have to be very intentional mm-hmm. about that. I think. Mm, definitely I um, my last question oh, there, Lydia, no. and then i'll uh, sorry Jacko. i, I said why i've then. got one one final one but you go you go for your, yeah i, your final I was just gonna ask you lydia is there anything that you would like to be able to do in the future that you currently can't do as a result of or because of some of the things that are left over from your sporting career yes
1: engine-wise? i have yeah i've so during my um career i was terrible at um, pull-ups so Ooh like I don't think I'd even be able to do one now um so yeah I'd love to be able to do some pull-ups is that um is that relevant to to what we're yeah, going to be we'll doing we will redefine your oh, impossible
2: definitely. if you want to do if you want to put that on the impossible uh, list then we will <laughs> redefine that and take it out of the pull-ups. impossible box
1: Pull-ups are important
0: because we talk about physical pension, and one thing (laughs) that's important in your physical pension is being able to save your own life by doing a pull-up. So should you find yourself in a situation where you need to do that? So we'll definitely prioritise um, the life-saving skills over the things that just make (laughs) you I've got Tim,
2: give us the full example. You're in Magaluf. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, we, we first started this is going right back to when jack and i had some great ideas in the early <laughs> stages of our calisthenics studio, and with the first workshops that we had around were, were called um strength training for survival in the urban jungle and it was this idea that like we got strong inside the gym but you weren't actually that strong out there in the world and if you mm. needed to save your life like could you do that could you have did you have that basic level of strength so i was like you know there was that phase of time where there was and this, I'm not going to make a joke about this, but there was people who go into Magaluf and places like that on holiday, having a bit too much to drink, and then <laughs> messing about on balconies and bad things happening. Mm. I was like, if you if you found yourself in one of those situations, were you strong enough to be able to pull yourself back in over the balcony to, to save your life? And I feel bad saying that story now because it's I'm not making a joke about bad things happening to people, but it was a mm. period of time where actually, like it, the, the point is, we should have these basic skills. Like we've become so sort of. uh enveloped in technology that if you, if you go to some places where they, they have a, a, a much less involvement or interaction with technology in their day-to-day lives those basic human abilities to do those things will still exist because they will have to use those kind of skills and strength in in a day-to-day life to survive where we don't need to do that anymore in in a lot of western cultures and i think that's a bad thing i think we should be mm. looking to to maintain those because as we get into later life the more that we've got in our tank in our 30s 40s 50s 60s the more reserve we've got for when we start to see that decline in age and the the longer we're going to be able to stay active for. So I really think Mm. it's important that people bank that sort of stuff earlier on in their life. Just like the the physical pension thing rings through from a financial pension. You you can't start saving for your retirement at 65. Mm. (laughs) It's too Mm -hmm. late. 64, okay. (laughs) Um,
2: My my final question, Lydia, was just around, uh, you mentioned about recovery whilst uh, you were playing professionally and you, you mentioned about um ice baths and i know that one of the things that will be often goes out the window for us um in terms of prioritizing we'll prioritize training when we're like you know we're now recreational athletes and we're just trying to like look after our bodies and whatnot we, we we'll, we'll try and get the training sessions in but we we'll probably let the recovery side of things slip um is there anything that you um anything that you do now or you or even just that question prompts you to go oh yeah actually i probably should get back and, and do a few ice baths every now and again when I've done some of my training sessions. Or um have you ever tried the um you know, the, the, the very kind uh, sponsors of the podcast um Newton Wood that provide the uh, Epsom salt baths? Have you have you tried Epsom salts, or is there anything else that you, that you do, or you might actually think, oh yeah, actually, if I'm going to step up my training a bit, I've got to step up my recovery as well.
1: Yes, yeah, no, I did. I tried those actually. You kindly sent them in the post, um, and that, yeah, they were brilliant. But I think, um, what do I do? If I'm honest, I'm awful. I would just put my trainers on. I'd go for a run. I'd come back and I might rehydrate, but I wouldn't do any um, Mm. sort of uh, recovery stretching or mobility. And that's why... I'm looking forward to this working with you guys because I'm hoping it will get me back into good habits again. Um, yeah. Cause I mean, yeah, for me really, the, um, the ice baths worked a lot and also the, the foam rollers, mm. um, they were sort of a big, um, big part of my recovery process. Um, and also just the tennis ball, you know, where you just sort of roll yeah. your foot over the tennis ball. Um, just to release those muscles so yeah that i haven't got a recovery (laughs) recovery strategy at the moment That's i think um, that the
2: um you know i'm a big fan of the epsom salt bath before before bed because it's there's a couple there's sort of twofold we get this like 10 minutes or however long you decide to stay in there for of just like downtime where you can just like let your thoughts wander and that side of it as well as the like the relaxation and the um uh, the magnesium that we get into the into the system by soaking in in with the with the Epsom salts. So, I mm-hmm. I, I like that because we get this sort of like you get those benefits from the, the the physical things in terms of the replenishing magnesium stores, which are notoriously low when we're when we're training hard. Um, but equally, you get that like that downtime and slowing of pace before you're going to go to bed. That probably. Um, you know if we're not if we're not careful i know this happens to me and then i have a bad night's sleep if it's like been going fast all day and then never actually sort of down regulate mentally so there's there's that side of it mm. for, for for me as well so one thing to consider yeah. maybe we'll see how you get on if you like it
1: yeah no definitely i'd I'd be keen for that i think um yeah it's so easy to not switch off at all um in the evenings and yeah. so i just started trying to turn my phone off like if it gets to eight o'clock i just turn my phone off and that's it Um, airplane
2: mode get that thing off
1: yeah (laughs) definitely um but yeah the, the bath and the salts is is a great one as well
0: Great. Lily, thank you so much for coming on and, and um, sharing some of your, your story and, and chatting about how we can look forward and excited about the future, about getting you involved in some, some calisthenics and going to get that pull-up nailed for you and hopefully get those shoulders feeling good. Those two things are going to come together so we can start to wrap up a little bit of this into the into your programme. So yeah, we're super excited to get you started and thank you for your time today.
1: No, brilliant. Thank you for having me and um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it.
2: Yeah, but um, for people that want to find out, you know, obviously you're, you're doing the coaching um, now with you've got uh, cricket for girls and then you've got um, the the female cricket store for for people wanting to find out a little bit more about those things where where can we direct them to I'll put some links in the show notes but do you want to just give us a little bit of people a heads up on that if they're interested
1: yeah so the cricket for girls is just um cricketforgirls.com um same for twitter just at cricket for girls and then the female cricket store is the same so the female cricket um and then i'm on twitter as well so just um i'm not very good with twitter so i'm just looking at my what my handle is it's at lydia greenway um all lowercase <laughs> there we go we'll put
2: we'll put we'll put the links in the show notes so people can just click straight through from there if they Uh, want to go and And, you know it'll be interesting for people to see uh, a little bit of what your uh, your physical pension journey is going to be like um, from this (laughs) day forth shall we say yeah we're
1: looking forward to it
0: We really hope that you enjoyed that conversation with Lydia just as much as we did. We're super excited about helping her on her journey to start to get some more investment packed up in her physical pension and help her to achieve some of the things that she's working towards.
2: Yeah, I, I just love hearing anyone's sort of passion for... Wanting to invest in that physical pension because it, it carries on reminding me and inspiring me that that journey that I'm on and that we're all on together is something that we need to to keep working with. And uh, yeah, if, if if that's something that you're you're interested in and you want to get a little bit of help with the coaching, then just remember we've got the workshops coming up um, as uh, starting from July, and then if you want to get started straight away with some personalised coaching, we've got the new uh, Calisthenics coaching app that is obviously all done online, so you can work one-on-one with our coaches. Links for all those things are in the show notes. And uh, one final thing: if you haven't given us a review on iTunes yet, what do you want them to do, Timbo?
0: Five stars, please, Jacko. Five stars.
2: <laughs> He's the five-star man, and uh, this is a five-star podcast. Obviously, if you not, uh, yeah, you know what I mean. If you're not going to give them five stars, then maybe just you won't have listened. You won't have listened. If you've made it to the end, then you're thinking it's five stars. Otherwise, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair call, Tim.
0: Well, if they're having a bad day, I'll take four. But it better not be a three. I'm not a three. I just don't think someone that is,
2: someone that's willing to just give three or four stars, they're not listening all the way to the end. I mean, the danger is now that
0: they've they've finished the podcast on five, and as we continue, they're now slowly slowly taking them off as it goes on longer. Yeah, don't rate us on
2: the outro. Don't rate us on the outro. But, let's yes, let's but, get off this bandwagon. Let's
0: get, get off just in case we say anything. That's like when I post on social media, I, I lose followers, so I stop posting. <laughs> 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 anyway, that's for conversation from the other day. Um, right. Let's do a podcast on that subject oh crikey I've got lots to say I've watched a new, started watching a new thing on Netflix called Coded Bias if you want to know about algorithms and how they are ruining or messing up your life and actually the world go cool, no, and watch I that keep... it's a very enlightened yeah. watch well um, basically I've got, an moment, al- I'm I've got an algorithm
2: chat. I've got an algorithm for you me, me and Joyce have t- me, me and Mrs. Jacko are talking about living in a car living in a van Do it. just get yourself in the woods and just, just get disappear algorithm. go off grid yeah. see yeah. you later <laughs> basically,
0: during Netflix recently, what I can't have watched Sea Spirits, so I can't eat fish. Um, I can't have, I've can't i watched Social Dilemma, Coded Bias, and there was something else popped up about sugar, and then there was another Game one changer about food. I'm like basically like, living off what I can forage before long. Right, we, we've gone way off topic. Rice cakes. Until next time, Rice cakes keep safe. exploring your physical <laughs> potential with movement, strength, and play. Let them go, Jacko. <laughs> See you later, guys. No, class dismissed. we're on one star that was a one star final okay we'll try better next week we're off